Okay, I'm gonna kind of start off with a with a with an apology here. That I'm recording this share in the middle of Hanukkah, and the truth is, this share really was meant. I was meant to give this share before Hanukkah, and uh, Hashem had really, I guess, different plans for the the two different nights that I had planned on, on giving share. I really just wasn't able to. So I'll record this share, and hopefully, it'll be. Uh, not just beneficial, but we'll shed some light on some of the Inyanim of Hanukkah and bring us to a place, as this farm teaches, Hanukkah is not just about the Yantav of Hanukkah, it's really a philosophy of life. Nearly all the Yantavim are like that. But certainly Hanukkah, you know, Chazal teach us that Hanukkah was kavua, lahaydus ulahalel, to praise and be in gratitude of Hashem. The Svarim teach us that at the end of time when Mashiach comes, all of the, the Yom Tovim will be in a spatel, but Hanukkah will remain. The Yom of Hanukkah during the times of Mashiach will, will somehow be celebrated. Because gratitude, appreciation, which is what the Karban Toda, the Karban Toda, the, the, the sacrifice, the expression of gratitude is something that's endless. And so we should all of us be in our lives to enhance our capacity to appreciate, because that's really what the whole Yantav of Hanukkah is about. I want to start off with this with a story. The story is told about, I believe he was the first Talna Rebbe, Reb David Matalna, first Talna Rebbe. The story is told about him that, um, like many of the tzaddikim, the avoid of Hanukkah of lighting the menorah was a very very big avoid in Talna. Like it was, like it still is by many, many of the tzaddikim, by many of the rabbis. But apparently in Tolna, by the Tolna Rebbe, he had a very tall golden menorah that was really un, unbelievably and unfathomably beautiful. And the story goes that one night in the first night of Hanukkah, when he was sitting and contemplating all the different sites and all the different Kabbalistic intentions and all the different ideas, he stood there with his eyes closed, holding the candle about to start to light. And randomly out of nowhere, he turned around to one of the Hasidim that was standing there and he says to him, your wife is really short, right? And the Hasid nodded at him. She so said to him, how do you talk to her? Do you talk softly to her or do you talk to her with a lot of strength? Do you, do you exert your, you know, your, your tall stature over her? And before the chassid can finish answering the question, the Talmud Rebbe turned around and made the bracha and he lit the candles. And the chassidim were mamish blown away. What did, what, what did one have to do with anything? What, 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 what's he talking about? Why is he embarrassing this guy's wife? Why is he asking him such a personal question? What does this have to do with Hanukkah? The chassidim really had no idea. And everyone was tumulting. Everyone was trying to come up with an explanation to what the Rebbe's strange behavior was. So as the story goes amongst the Hasidim was the Rebbe's great nephew. The Rebbe's brother had a, had a grandchild, and he turned to some of the people standing there and he said to him, I'm sure that you're looking at my great uncle. You have no idea what, it, what, what, what was going on. So he says, let me tell you, so he says, you know, the Gemara tells us 
that ma'olam layer the shechina lamata me'asara. The shechina hakdoisha Hashem kaviyachal in this world doesn't extend itself. It doesn't descend underneath ten tefachim to the earth. That the earth is defiled in such a way. The earth is tomadik. The earth is impure in such a way that the shechina doesn't come down less than ten tefachim above it. Ten tefachim is just a, really a few inches. The Shekhinah doesn't come down less than 10 Tvachim. The Shekhinah doesn't want to get closer, close to the earth. And this, of course, is a hotly debated topic, Kabbalistically, between the Balatanya, the Bali Hasidus, and the Nefesh Chaim, Chaim Velozhin, and the Talmud Hagra. Not that I've done enough research about this, but it would seem to be that, that the Hasidim hold, like the Zara Kaddish says, less Asr Panimine, there's no place that's devoid of God. And so there really needs to be a clarification and explanation in the world of Hasidim what this means that the Shechina doesn't go underneath ten Tvachim. But Marchudayv was trying to explain to his, these Hasidim what his great uncle meant when he leaned over and said that, you know, your wife is short, how do you talk to her? She so says, you know, the Gemara teaches us, Ma'olam la'yar d'shechina l'matam she says, you know, according to the Arizal, since the halacha of Neris Hanukkah, since the halacha is lechat chila, you're supposed to take the, the menorah and you're supposed to put it underneath on the floor. You're supposed to put it directly on the floor. She says, lechat chila, the way it's supposed to be, the menorah, the candles of Hanukkah are supposed to be underneath ten tvachim. Because on Neris Hanukkah, during the times of lighting the menorah, the Shechina descends even Lamata Masaratvachim. The Shechina descends even lower than the place where it normally doesn't go. And this, he says, is, is according to the Arizal, the Arizal quotes a Gemara completely seemingly unrelated to this topic that we're talking about. The Gemara Baba Metziah says that if a person's wife is short, he should bend down and whisper in his ear in her ear. Bend down and whisper in, in, in her ear. If your wife is short, bend down and whisper in her ear. So says Ramadhadev, you know what my great uncle, Rab David, the Talna Rebbe, you know what his you know what he meant? He was talking to the Rabbinus Shalilam. He wasn't talking to this chassid about his wife. He was talking to the Rabbinus Shalilam. And he was saying to the Rabbinus Shalilam, Hashem, your wife, Kal Yisrael, we are in such a low state that sometimes we feel like we're midgets. Sometimes we feel like we're really, really short. And sometimes we feel like we're, we're really nothing. And that we don't extend our heads above 10 tefachim off the ground. We don't feel like we're anything other, anything different than animals, than creepy crawlies, insects. So you, Hashem, how are you noyeg with your wife? If your wife is short and she's not capable of extending her head anywhere up into the heavens, how do you deal with your people? Do you deal with your wife, with Kalyasral, with us humans? Do you deal with us in a soft way? Do you, like the Gemara says, bend down and whisper in our ear? Or do you stand up strong and say, I refuse to bend down to where you are? I refuse to bend down to that space 
of earthliness that seems to be so broken and so impure. I refuse to stand down there. I expect you to rise yourself up, raise yourself up, and I will refuse to go into the darkness with you. That's what he says. That's what my uncle's intention was when he asked, your wife is short. How do you deal with her? And then he lit Hanukkah Menorah. Because the time of Hanukkah Menorah, the time of Hanukkah, has everything to do with darkness. It has everything to do with whatever we assume darkness is in our lives. The whole mitzvah of Hanukkah takes place at night during a time of darkness. The Torah teaches us that at the beginning of the creation of the world, so when Hashem first created the world, so the Torah tells us, the earth, the earth was empty, vavohu, and it was, it was confused, it was fragmented, it was chaotic. The choshech and darkness, rested, darkness rested on the plane of all of earth, all of creation was empty, confused, and dark. So the Medrash tells us that Rabbi Shimon ben Lakish, Pasar Kriya Begalias. Rabbi Shimon ben Lakish read this verse, this Pasuk in the Torah, that tells us that the earth was filled with emptiness, confusion, and darkness. Alpnei Tahaim. Tahaim means oblivion, that the world had four at the beginning of creation, the world was filled with four negative constructs, emptiness, confusion, darkness, and oblivion. Rabbi Shimon ben Lakish saw in these words, he read these words, he interpreted these words to represent the four basic gullius, the four times in history that man, that Klal Yisrael, not man, but Klal Yisrael, the Jewish people, were exiled. The world was empty. This was the Babylonian, the first exile after Yitzhiyah's Mitzrayim, after we came out of Mitzrayim, after we had moved into Eretz Yisrael, the first Goliath, the first exile that we experienced was Bavel. Bavohu, confusion, Persia. Bechayshech, Zehugalus Yavan. Darkness, that's the darkness, that's the exile of Yavan. Of Hellenism, oblivion is where we are today. Oblivion, oblivion seems to have no end, goes on and on and on and on. It's the capacity to have zero bounds. There's nothing that binds oblivion. Oblivion is like falling asleep in your dream. You just fall through the air and you never hit rock bottom. It keeps going and going and going and going and going. <clears throat> Darkness is the Gullus of Yavan. It means that Hanukkah is really about the downtrodden. It means that Hanukkah is about the things that hurt in our lives. It's about the darkness of pain, suffering, the things that have been done to us, the bullies we've had, the people that have victimized us, the, people's, the people that have molested us, the people that have bullied us, the consequences even that Hashem has given to us, the situations that Hashem has put us in, the things that seemingly have zero 
intellectual understanding, things that we don't understand at all, that we are in the dark about, and also the darkness that pains us and paralyzes us, like the Choshech that was in Mitzrayim, the inability, the paralysis of even being able to move a muscle in a catatonic state of, comp of complete and utter darkness. And it also means the darkness of shame, the darkness of failure and disappointment, of recognizing the realities of my life, the potential for growth, the darkening of that potential, the loss of opportunity, and the feeling that nothing good is ever going to come of me if I can't bring myself to where I feel like I need to be. The world is filled with metaphors. The Torah itself uses metaf the metaphor of darkness to represent Ra, to represent evil. Tonight, what I would like to do is to talk a little bit about darkness, especially because there's something that we tend to confuse darkness with. And I think part of it is natural. I think it's a natural thing we do. And I know some of you are going to give, give me some flack about this, but that's okay. And that is that darkness seems to be very related to depth. Amkus, amok, something that's deep. Something that's namuch. Namuch means like degraded, down, to be knocked down. But even depth, when we talk about depth like as a richness of meaning, <clears throat> and this is true, this comes to us from basic understanding of, of, of physiology, we talk about depth perception. What is depth perception? That's the ability to see things in three dimensions, at least, to see the length, the width, and the depth of something, right? That's depth perception. What gives us the ability to see depth? What gives us the ability to, to recognize the length, the width, and the depths of something? You need to have, <coughs> excuse me, binocular vision. That's, you need to have both of your eyes. But you also have to be able to see gradations of darkness, shading. To, when you see shades of something, how do I know something's deeper? I see the darkness, the shades of darkness that surround that part of the object. So my vision is looking straight at something. The darker something is, the different angle, the, that's the way I'm able to, to tell the angle of something. Depth perception, the ability to see the length, the width, and the depth of something comes along with darkness. That's how we perceive darkness. So psychologically, the corollary to that is when we think of something dark, we think of the capacity for depth, or at the very least, the opposite. When we think of something deep, we think of going into, let's say, a pit. We think of going into a deep place. The deeper we go, the darker it is, the further we are away from the sun. The more I dig into earth, the deeper I go, the darker it gets, right? The Shekhinah doesn't want to come down near the earth. So if I dig into the earth, I go deeper into the earth, the darker it goes. Gehenna is considered down, below, right? The deeper I go, the darker it gets. What I hope to get to 
is the capacity to show that in Tyra, in Hashem's world, the deeper we go, the lighter we get. And to demonstrate that, I want to go through the basic, a basic understanding. We'll run through this very quickly, because each each one of these things that I'm going to we're, we're going to say now could re, should really be a, a full share onto its own. But to try to understand the histalshalus, the chain of events that goes from the first night of Hanukkah to the eighth night of Hanukkah and beyond. Pashupshat, well, maybe not Pashupshat, but to try to understand it on our level. According to the Arizal, every night of Hanukkah, we are building, building blocks that go from the lowest parts of reality up to the highest parts of reality. And what we're talking about is, according to the Arizal, working up the chain of spheros. Now, the spheros are not necessarily commonly known, but just to work, work through it very quickly. The spheros are an understanding that everything that happens in this world happens with the number one, 10, 100, 1,000. Everything that exists in this world, according to Api Kabbalah, everything that exists in this world has the number 10 in it. Why the number 10? Because the world was created with 10 utterances by Hashem. It says, Hashem created the world. And then it says nine times after that, the word Vayoymer, Hashem said, Hashem said, Hashem said, let there be light. And there was light. Hashem said, let there be this. There was this. There were 10 utterances that created the world. Connected all those 10 utterances are 10 realms of reality, one flowing from the next. It starts at the top at what's called Keser. Keser, keser is... Uh, connected to the word voracious, the beginning. The beginning means the rut zone, the initial spark of life that exists inside of us. That's the initial spark of desire, of interest, of attraction to the world of life. We move from Keser into Chachma. Chachma is wisdom, that's, the, that's consciousness, or at the very least, <clears throat> being aware that I know something, that I'm alive, we move from Chachma to Bina. Bina is wisdom. That's the ability to integrate aspects of wisdom, of knowledge together. Sometimes it's also called intuition, Bina. We go from Bina into Chesed. Chesed is to bring my knowledge, my Ratzon, my, 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 uh, my inner will, my knowledge and my wisdom to bring it into reality. That's Chesed is, is like the flow that brings my thoughts into reality. That's manifestation. Gvura is creating structure. Gavura means discipline, the strength of creating structure to allow the flow of reality to manifest from me. From there, we go to Teferis. Teferis is blending and harmonizing <coughs> because sometimes chesed, the flow that I have, and gvura, the structure that I have, clash with each other. Teferis is the ability to work that stuff out that it should be balanced and harmonized. From there we go to Netzach. Netzach is the ability to persevere. That's to stay on course, even when I don't feel like it, but to stay on course is to keep moving. Hoid is, is appreciation, is gratitude, is the thankfulness and the ability to appreciate reality the way it is. Yesoid is foundation. Foundation, similar to Teferis, is about blending things together. It's about groundedness and about transcendence, both at the, same, at the same time. 
And then there's Malchus, which is faith, which is the capacity to believe that everything comes from Hashem. In the world of the Arizal, on the night of Hanukkah, we start from Malchus, and every night we build all the way up to Bina. And from after Bina, after the night of Hanukkah, then we move into the realm of Mashiach. That's just to keep going. Hanukkah keeps going. It doesn't stop by the eighth night. It keeps going. The Svarim explained that the eighth night of Hanukkah is called Zeus Hanukkah. This is Hanukkah because the eighth night of Hanukkah is not the end of Hanukkah. It's the beginning. It's, it's recognizing that Hanukkah keeps flowing. Agan Hanukkah. So according to the Arizal, the first night of Hanukkah is Malchus. The second is Yesoid. The third is Hoid. The fourth is Netzach. The fifth is Teferes. Sixth is Gevura, seventh is Chesed, and eighth is Bina. So what I want to do is to try to build, this really would have been good from the beginning, and maybe maybe next year we'll make a, a, a little worksheet like I did last year. We'll make a little worksheet to try to uh, make this more profound and more meaningful for each of us. The first night of Hanukkah is about the Tikkun of the Midah of Malchus. So what I'm going to try to do is talk about the darkness and the light. And for each night, we'll go through the stages of what each night is meant to rectify, if you will, what each night, the kavana that we should have each night, the darkness that surrounds Hanukkah, and what the tikkun is. The first night of Hanukkah, the darkness that the first night of Hanukkah begins with is materialism. But it's not materialism as we would understand it. It's the belief that nothing exists beyond the material life. And here I want to maybe diverge a little bit from the classic way that we understand this. That's what most of the Bali Darshanim talk about is Yavan is materiality and not being able to see beyond. There's no primius, etc. But that the Midah of Malchus the Midah of Malchus is about recognizing, or I should say the darkness of Malchus is <laughs> the embracing of darkness as if darkness is reality. We can take a, a message from Purim, right? Haster, Aster, Panai the Hester of Hester, the hiddenness of hiddenness. The lowest level of darkness is when a person lives in darkness, does not recognize that there's anything more than darkness, <coughs> excuse me, is oblivious to the darkness, and whose life, our life, becomes philosophically ingrained with darkness. The way that I like to say this sometimes is, is when we, we embrace cop-out, when we make a shita out of cop-out, like labeling ourselves lazy, let's say, right? I, la I label myself lazy, and that becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy. If I label myself as lazy, then the next moment that I'm confronted with doing something, well, I'm lazy, but I can't because I'm just lazy. Just give me one second. I need to take a drink. Sorry. Thank you. Okay. 
the first, the lowest stage of Chayshach is the embracing of darkness as if darkness is all that there is. <laughs> In an extreme case, if I were to take apart, if I were to sit with someone, when I sit with people that are engaged in very destructive behaviors, whether it's violence against others or self-destructive behaviors, there's a tremendous amount of embracing darkness with a, with a, psych a psychological view that there's nothing other than that which is dark. So for example, I know it might sound crazy, but this is certainly not, not, in, not insanity. This is the way human beings work. Suppose my boss calls me into my office, calls me into his office and says, you know, Yitzhi, you're not doing a good enough job. In my mind, I'm already hardwired thinking that I'm not good enough. My boss has just confirmed for me, and now I have proof that I'm not good enough. I leave his office, and I'm convinced yet again that I'm not good enough. Because I'm not good enough, I can't stand my job. It makes me feel less than. I don't like my job now because my job continuously proves to me that I'm not good enough. Well, if I don't like my job, I'm gonna look for faults in my job. And so I'm gonna project my frustration with my job back onto my job. Not only that, if my job is willing to hire someone and keep someone employed that's as bad as me, then my job's not responsible. My employers are not responsible. They're not responsible people. I don't wanna work for them. And suddenly, I am sitting in complete judgment of them, right? We call this psychologically as projection. And now I've developed in my mind an entire philosophy about how terrible my employers are. It sounds ludicrous, but this is, in effect, if anyone, anyone who's spent any time trying to get to know themselves, is in effect the way our minds work. This is what our ego does to us. But it all begins, the beginning of it begins with the belief that I am not good enough. Right? It's that inferiority that I have. The first chayshach that we encounter, the first darkness, the first moment of darkness we encounter, the first night of Hanukkah is that darkness is real, that darkness is all there is, and everything in life is there to just enhance the darkness. I make philosophies out of the darkness. I make decisions out of the darkness. My entire thought process is confined by and driven by darkness. And so the first night of Hanukkah, we light a candle. That first moment, that first flicker, that first little magical light that sits in the middle of the darkness that says, oh, you're so certain that your perception of, of the material world is all there is? Really? Yeah, you think so? I have news for you. You're not as terrible as you think you are. The darkness, the disappointment, the failure, you're not as bad as you think you are. The result of all of that victimization, the result of all of that trauma you've experienced, you're not defined by that. You're bigger than that. You're more magnificent than that. You're more beautiful than that. And so we light a candle the first night of Hanukkah, Malchus, Emuna, the recognition that Hashem is trying to call out to each and every one of us and say to us, Hello, Yitzi. I want you to know 
You're more beautiful than the sum total of all of your darkness. You think that your darkness defines you. You think that your failures, your disappointments, you think that all of the negative messages you've received in the world, all the naysayers, all the victimization, you think that all of that negativity defines you. You think that all of the darkness is all there is. I have news for you. There's a light in this world. There's something about you that's more magnificent. And that's the first night of Hanukkah. And from there, we move up to the second night of Hanukkah. That's the Midah of, of Yisoyed. Yisoyed means don't just think that this is a fleeting moment. Hashem says to us the second night, oh, you thought I was just letting you, letting you, I was giving you like a little, a little reprieve from the darkness. You thought last night I was just giving you an encouraging word. Now it's dark again. It's the second night of Hanukkah. You think that's it? No, we're going to build an entire foundation on this one particular piece of information that darkness is not all there is in life. Tonight, you're going to light a second candle. And that second candle is going to buffer the first. We say in Kabbalah Shabbos, Hisairi, Hisairi, be inspired, be inspired. Because sometimes the first inspiration we have is not enough to get us to realize that we're making a mistake. But when the second inspiration takes place, when we continue, when we pull, when we drag from the first little sparkle of the first candle, we drag it into the second candle on the second night, then we're ready to build a grounded foundation. And this is when the fun begins. <clears throat> because the darkness of Yisoyed is the feeling that Hashem just wanted to make me feel better. That chizuk, that empowerment, that spirituality, inspiration is fleeting and it doesn't mean anything. That really, in life, it's really about the darkness. The Midah of Yisoyed is the recognition that all encouragement and all validation and all possibility and all growth and all light is much more real than any of the darkness. It's not fleeting. But then we come to the third night. And now this is where the fun kind of begins. Because what happens when I'm finally convinced that the darkness is not all there is? So you would think that the first thing that happens is, that's beautiful, it's amazing, it's magnificent, it's great, it's fantastic. But that's not really what happens. Because now the chayshech comes back, the darkness comes back with a tremendous amount of anger. Anger at myself, anger at Hashem, anger at the bullies, anger at the darkness, violence, destruction. How could you, I yell at myself, how could you be so fickle to think that the dark is all there is? If I now notice the capacity to grow, now I notice the capacity to be lighter, to be bigger. I see the opportunity. I see the idealism. I see the dream. I see the goal of who I could be. How could you live with such smallness? How could you have failed in that way? How could you have done that atrocious thing? And then to Hashem, how could you have allowed, how could you have sent me this illness? How could you have sent me this situation in life, this loneliness? And to the other people, how could you have bullied me this way? Now I finally see, I'm waking up in, in the darkness and I'm realizing that the darkness is not all there is. So there's anger, this tremendous anger, 
And so we light a candle of Hyde. Hyde is the ability to appreciate. Sometimes the hardest thing to do in life is to learn how to appreciate the good. I think it's much deeper to live a life of appreciating. I don't mean, let, let's understand something about appreciation. Appreciation doesn't mean I express gratitude, right? Hakaras Hatoyv does not mean that I express gratitude. Hakaras Hatoyv means I recognize the good. That means an experience of appreciation. <clears throat> it's, it, it, it has to go completely deep into me. When I eat that apple, I have to be able to appreciate it fully. The taste, the, the, the sensations of that crunch, the feeling of the apple going down into my body, the feeling of fullness, the feeling of the sugars hitting all my, my, my neurotransmitters, hitting my blood. I'll talk about my, my, my knowledge of how nutrition works. But the Mida of height is the capacity to start appreciating, to respond to all the anger, to respond to all the negativity that comes when I start to recognize my capacity in life, I counteract it with appreciation. That's the Midah of Hayd. And then we come to the next night, <clears throat> the Midah of Netzach. The Midah of Netzach is called apathy. The Choshech of Netzach, I mean. The Klipa of Netzach. The darkness of the fourth night of Hanukkah <clears throat> is the darkness of disinterest, of apathy. And so we light a candle on this night of Hanukkah, to be able to express to Hashem the belief that life is all about growth. I recognize the capacity for me to grow and actually make it from beginning to end. I can get out of this darkness. The fourth night of Hanukkah is like the fulcrum, right? It's, it's that night of Hanukkah where there's four unlit and four yes lit, right? Four and four, it's the halfway mark. I can go in either direction. I can focus on the ones that are not lit, the darkness that's still there, or I can focus on the light that is there. It's about counteracting apathy. Apathy is to say, I can't manage, I can't manage the choices in life. I'm just giving up. I'm not, I'm not taking care of any of it. So the fourth night of Hanukkah is the darkness of apathy and the capacity to choose. And then we come to Teferis, fifth night. And here things get, in a certain way, even darker and more confusing. Because on the fifth night of Hanukkah, when I have more candles lit, I, there's more light, and I have more clarity, and more opportunity, and more oomph to grow. And I look around at life, and I realize that life is actually very fragmented. Life is very chaotic. Even with Amun and Hashem, life is a roller coaster. We all have the capacity to plan and have intentions of how things should be, and we could spend our whole life preparing for one given moment, and that moment can come and go, and nothing can happen the way we planned it. Fragmentation, chaos, instability. And so we light a candle on the fifth night of Hanukkah of Teferis, of recognizing that even if I can't see the harmony and the balance, and even if I can't see the beautiful, harmonious vibrations of the world, even if I can't see it, I worship you, Hashem, the light, the beauty of recognizing that there's order 
and everything. There's Teferes. All I have to do is try. All I have to do is try. All I have to do is not be afraid to engage in the world. The fragmentation, the chaos, it's all overwhelming. But I light a candle of Teferis in order to help me recognize that in truth, there is more order and more balance and more harmony than ever, ever existed. All because of Hashem. And now I'm filled with Teferis and it comes the next night and the Yitzhahara comes back again, the darkness comes back again and says, be forceful. All right, so now you're empowered to really get this thing going. Force, the darkness of force, the perversion of Gvura. Nabuch, we see this, we see this so much, especially in today, the abuse of power. When members of Kali Yisrael, people that we all looked up to, or many of us looked up to, to see not just their shortcomings, to see that sometimes people abuse their position of power. The darkness of Gvura, the clip of Gvura, which is the homida of Esav, is forcefulness, to exert control over someone, to try to force, expect reality to be a certain way, and to force myself into reality. And so we light a candle on this night, on the sixth night of Hanukkah, we light a candle to power, to inner power. The power that comes from knowing reality on Hashem's terms, from knowing reality of myself on Hashem's terms, not on my own terms, but on Hashem's terms, of experiencing the powerful possibility of what it means to manifest myself into this world devoid of any agenda, of any expectation, of any need for an end result, but simply I want to engage in this world because I feel inside of me that beating heart that wants to be creative and wants to express itself into this world. <clears throat> and as we continue along the path, we're met the next night with the perversion of flow, the darkness of lust. Of lust, the simple feeling of desire, the simple feeling that I have impulses, I just want, I want food, I want sex, I want money, I want pleasure. Because just when you've learned that you have the capacity to adult and to be in this world in a way where you're not forcing yourself onto the rest of the world, we are met with perhaps, perhaps in a certain way, the darkest of the dark, which is, I just want. I want to lay in bed. I want comfort. I want relaxation. I want beauty. In a certain way, this is all about what Yavan is about. I see something beautiful. I want something beautiful. I create something beautiful. It's all about materialistic beauty. And this is really the deepest of the deep, I think. Because we have to learn from our lust. We must learn from our lust. We must shine a light on the way that we lust. Because instead of kicking our lusts, our interests, our desires out the window, if we can bring them close and not allow them to control us, but instead use them to manifest our true 
needs and desires into this world, we will have conquered our lusts. So the night of chesed is really about manifesting. We light a candle on the seventh night of Hanukkah to recognize that we have the capacity to bring the darkness of lust into the light of our own motivations, of our own will. And finally, the, 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 the night of Bina, Zayis Hanukkah. It's really about bringing and manifesting ourselves completely into this world. Bina is about recognizing that material reality is the smallest point in all of reality. The Shekhinah doesn't want to come down under Ten Tfachim, not because the world itself or the earth itself is terrible. It's because if we only live on earth with an earthly perspective on things, and we are not able to have the freedom to experience the beauty that is hidden in the lowest places, but instead we are just living with the materialistic sense of reality, a shallow, unsophisticated, non-intuitive, factual, practical picture of reality, then we don't see Hashem anywhere. Bina is the capacity to draw the Shekhinah down, even into hell, to recognize that the Shekhinah is there too. So on, this, on the eighth night of Hanukkah, when we get to that pinnacle of called Zeis Hanukkah, the number eight always represents miracles because it's miraculous. It's miraculous to see Hashem hidden in, in plain sight in life. We move into that world of Vina. We move into that capacity to see that in the darkness of what looks like reality, Hashem is hidden in plain sight. There's a beautiful Torah from the previous Sadiqa Rebbe. It could be he's quoting it from someone else. Um, I don't know. But he says as follows. Previous Sadiqa Rebbe, he says that every night we light one candle more than the night before. On the second night, we light the second candle first and we move to the, to the right. Third night, we move further to the left, three, two, one. Sixth night is six, five, four, three, two, one. He says it's an interesting thing. According to the Shulchan Aruch, there's a question as to which way you should light. Should you light candle one up to seven, or should you go from seven down to one, eight down to one? So he says, really in halacha, we always favor the right side. The right side, which is the midah of, of chesed, of light, of beauty. The left side, which is din, darkness. So he says, it's a very interesting thing. <clears throat> you would think that because the night of Hanukkah is all about or, it's all about light, you would think that you should start from the right side and manifest, right? We light one candle, then two. It's Maitzavahoy, look, everything's manifesting, everything's growing. So why do we start from the left side first? So the Sadiqa Rebbe says, because it's Badafka on the night of Hanukkah, that we lean into the darkness and we draw out of the darkness. It's not about adding light into the darkness. And now I'm paraphrasing. It's not about adding light to dispel the darkness. 
and this is the deepest of the deep. It's about going into the darkness. It's about going into the depth and extracting and pulling out the light that's hidden in the depth. It's not just, those are words from Rabbi Nachman. Rabbi Nachman says, if you believe you can destroy, believe you can rebuild. So many of the wrestlers explain, it's not just if you believe you can destroy, believe you can rebuild. It's not just that. With the kaychas, with the energy that you've destroyed, you can rebuild. We say this on Tisha B'Av. With fire, you destroy the Beis HaMikdash, and with fire, you will rebuild the Beis HaMikdash. Hanukkah is about this paradox of finding light in the darkness. Every night we just mentioned, every stage of growth, we think that the darkness is evil, and it is. There is evil in the world, for sure. But without being able to live in the darkness, without being able to experience and find a place within the darkness, without finding the capacity to find light that's in the darkness, we will never become masters of the darkness. You want to discover depth? You must find light in the darkness. It's not just about the shades of darkness that give us depth perception. It's also about the shades of light. The deeper I go, the more light I can reveal. I've had this argument with my, with my own mentor in life. What's lighter, the heavens or the earth? The, digger, the, the deeper you dig into depth, the deeper you dig into darkness, the more light you reveal. Rav Kook in Shemayna Kvatsen, Kavis Beis, Ois Reishchavav. This is Rav Kook's shita about everything in life. But he, he sums it up. It's in journal number, in, in the, in the, in journal two, right? The Shemayna Kvatsam is eight journals. In the second journal, in the 226th entry. So these are the Lashinas of Rav Kook. He's quoting from a Medrash, but poetically he changes the words of the Medrash on its head. He says, Just like the reverence of Hashem. You want to talk about the awesomeness of Hashem just like the reverence of Hashem rises from the righteous people, it also, the reverence of Hashem comes out from Hashem from evil. Just like the reverence of Hashem comes out from good, so too the reverence of Hashem comes from evil. Doesn't say from tshuva. Rav Kook says from Hashem, from evil. And just like the praise of Hashem comes from Gan Eden, from that place when life is holy and we're, we're, we're in the most amazing places, we're in experiencing such transcendence because life is so beautiful that we experience the tastes and the smells and the flavors of Gan Eden. So too, the Shvach of HaKadosh Baruch Hu, emanates, the praise of Hashem emanates from, from Gehenna, from hell. 
that the Rabbani Shalom bends down underneath ten Tfachim. He bends down into hell, into those deepest, darkest places, and he whispers, like the Gemara says, he whispers intimately and beautifully into the words of his wife, into Kal Yisrael. So too, the Shvach of HaKadosh Baruch Hu raises up and transcends out of Gehenim. And these are the key words to me that ring over and over and over in my head since I saw this a few months ago. The Saifakal, Saif Davrakal Nishma, of Cook says, Saifakal, bottom line, the bottom line of all of life, the bottom line of everything that we know, good, bad, ugly, Torah, Yiddishkeit, Hashem, atheism, on the derech, off the derech, the Saifakal, everything of life, the Saifakal, Lehit Alot, everything is transcending. Lehit Matek, everything is on a journey to sweetness. Everything is sweetening. Lehis Kadesh. And everything is in the process of being holified. Even Gehenim, even Rishayim, everything that exists in this world, everything that exists in this world is in an experience of everything is in that process. And that's what all of the nights of Hanukkah are about. It's about recognizing that there's no such thing as darkness on its own. Darkness itself, evil itself, negativity of itself, failure, disappointment, victimhood, even, su even in suicidality, there's nothing that is not part of the process of transcendence, sweetening, becoming more holy. I want to end off with a, with a, a, a poem an exchange written by an author. I just discovered him. I ordered his book, but I haven't gotten it. It's just something that someone sent me in an email. I'm assuming you pronounce, I'm pronouncing his name right. His name is John Rodell. And he has, he's written a, an imaginative conversation between him and God. He's not Jewish. I don't think he's Jewish. But I'm going to read this conversation out loud because to me, this is, this is what it's all about. It's about recognizing that darkness is all about a state of becoming. That darkness itself is part of the state of becoming. Darkness itself is the ladder that we grow on, we step on in order to stand up and grow. Me. Hi, God. God. Hello. Me. I'm falling apart. Can you put me back together? God. I would rather not. Me. Why? God. Because you aren't a puzzle. Me. What about all of the pieces of my life that are falling onto the ground? God. Let them stay there for a while. They fell off for a reason. Take some time and decide if you need any of those pieces back. Me. But you don't understand. I'm breaking down. God. No. You don't understand. You are breaking through. What you are feeling are just growing pains. You are shedding the things and the people in your life that are holding you back. You aren't falling apart. You are falling into place. Relax. Take some deep breaths and allow those things you don't need anymore to fall off of you. Quit holding on to the pieces that don't fit you anymore. Let them fall off. Let them go. Me. Once I start doing that, what will be left of me? God. 
Only the very best pieces of you, me. I'm scared of changing. God, I keep telling you, you aren't changing. You are becoming me. Becoming who? <clears throat> God, becoming who I created you to be. A person of light and love and charity and hope and courage and joy and mercy and grace and compassion. I made you for more than the shallow pieces you have decided to adorn yourself with that you cling to with such greed and fear. Let those things fall off of you. I love you. Don't change. Become. Become. Become who I made you to be. I'm going to keep telling you this until you remember it. Me. There goes another piece. God. Yep. Let it be. Me. So I'm not broken? God. Of course not. But you are breaking like the dawn. It's a new day. Become. My bracha to all of us is that we learn this Hanukkah, the true meaning of darkness, the true meaning of not falling down, but falling into, of not breaking, but breaking through, of becoming, of recognizing that we are so much more beautiful than the sum total of everything that's wrong with us, and even everything that's right with us. When Hashem looks down at each and every one of us, He sees a menorah that's so unbelievably bright and magnificent and beautiful. And he looks with tears dripping down his face at each and every one of us and says, I love you. You are special. I want you to continue becoming who you are because that's all that life has been. One, two, three, eight, nine, a hundred, three thousand, five thousand, six thousand years. It's all one big state of becoming. And you, Claudia Yisrael, are my people that this that carries the light of me. You're the ones who I've entrusted a neshama into. You're the ones who I've given a terror to. You're the ones who I've given the capacity to make the world real, to allow the world to become. Let it be Hashem, let it be your will that you've decided we've become enough and that you bring Mashiach, which is not just the cherry on the top, but is the the completion of everything you've done and everything you've planned and everything you've wanted for and from all of us. We should be zaykhah to that time when we get to witness the kind God lighting the menorah, the real menorah in the base. Amen. Amen.